The Old Testament reading for the 18th Sunday after Trinity is from Deuteronomy chapter 10, beginning at the 12th verse. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of God and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at the first verse. Paul, called by the will of God to be an, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called in the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
This is the word of the Lord. Amen. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory be to the Lord. When the Sadducees heard that Jesus had silenced this, or when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I put thy enemies under thy feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Who do you come from? Who do you come from? Fairly simple question of lineage. Who are your parents? Your grandparents? What nationality do you come from? What area do you come from? What informs the traditions and culture that you have in your family? Who can you trace your line back to? Is there anybody of great importance as you look back? Were you relatively average? What place did you call home? Lineage and identity has a way of informing many aspects of our lives. It grounds us in this place we call the earth. It traces us back and connects us to those who have gone before. Tradition and custom often are informed by who we call our parents and our grandparents, where they're from. Europe, Asia, Africa, Latin America, and even can vary greatly in and amongst those. 
It informs the way we speak, the words we use, the jokes we have. Who do you come from? Who do you call mother and father? It impacts a person quite a bit. But for the Messiah, for the Messiah, this was an even greater question. Throughout the Old Testament, the lineage of the Messiah had been narrowed down throughout the centuries. From Abraham, Isaac over Ishmael, Jacob over Esau, Judas or Judah over his eleven brothers. Where would this promised Messiah come from? And the Jews kept the records. Who was of what tribe of Israel? Who was of what family? That way they could know, they could look to see where the Messiah would come from. But one aspect was quite important. You see, he was to be the son of David, born of that great royal line, the coming king. It was about sonship. Whose son was he? In our gospel lesson, the tables get a little turned this morning. Normally, it's somebody coming up to Jesus and asking him a question that causes the theological discourse which Jesus will do. Either it's one of the Pharisees or the Sadducees, or maybe even someone up out of the crowd that causes it. Our, our lesson actually begins with that scenario. The Pharisees are gathered together, and a lawyer out from them comes and asks Jesus a question. What is the greatest commandment? And after answering it, Jesus turns the tables on the Pharisee and asks a question of them of his own. Who do you, or what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? It's actually a rather easy question. So they answer it. The son of David. It was well established throughout the scriptures that the Messiah would come from the line of David. As God promised to David himself in 2 Samuel 7. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. The Lord would raise up this offspring of David and establish an eternal kingdom through the Messiah. But what does it mean? What does it mean for the Christ to be the son 
of David. Well, it means two things. First, as stated, he's the rightful king. He is the king of Israel, the king of the people of God, both previously in the Old Testament and now here in this time of the church. But it means something else, too. This Messiah is born of flesh. He is of the physical line of David. He can call David father because he is of the house and line of the king. His mother Mary and even his father Joseph can trace their ancestry back to David. What else does that mean? He's a man. He's born of a woman. He shares in flesh and blood with mankind. And with this, all that comes with being human. He must deal with hunger and thirst. He must deal with being tired, lonely, happy, sad, excited. He knows what it means to mourn to have loved ones and friends. He's experienced the highs and the lows of this life, sorrow and joy. He is not one who is far off and transcendent, but one who is personal and immediate. He knows and understands because he has lived this life. He's walked and lived in a cursed creation after the fall. He has known temptation, though he has not been tempted himself. He overcame temptation where we could not. As Hebrew 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Where we so often fail and fall into temptation, Christ has done what we could not. He overcame temptation. Jesus did not leave the question there, though. He got deeper to the matter of what it means that the Messiah is the son of David. So he asks, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? Jesus quotes David from Psalm 110. David here speaking of that coming descendant who would fulfill the promise made to him in 2 Samuel. David calls this descendant Lord. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. And for the ancient Near East, this makes no sense 
whatsoever. No descendant would call his own father, or no ancestor would call his descendant Lord, especially one as great as David himself. It's galling. It makes no sense. The son should call the father Lord, not the other way around, especially David. So what is it? What is it about the Christ that makes this true? Be both the son of David and yet to have David call him Lord. This is the one who is not just the son of David, but the son of God. By virtue of this, it would make sense that David would then call him Lord. He sees who it is that this one is. God himself, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. This ancestor of David is more than just mere man. He is the Lord. The Pharisees were unable to understand this fact. Though they had the scriptures and knew them well, they could not see what was before them. They did not see the truth. Literally, the truth standing there before them that day, declaring to them that he was the son of David, as the people had just cried out days before as he rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This one was both the son of David, flesh and blood standing before them, and the son of God, humbled that he might do the will of the Father. So that answer is where the Christ comes from. But let me ask this. Who do we come from? Many of us would answer with the physical aspect. Naming our mother and father, grandparents, nationalities that they come from, and all that. But like the Christ, there's more to it than that. In sin, we are first children of the devil. 1 John 3 says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Who of us can say we have not sinned? If you can say you haven't sinned, then you're not of your father, the devil. But those who have, 
Well, John says it right there. When speaking to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, Jesus said to them, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In the fall, mankind was turned from the will of God and toward the will of the father of lies. His will became our sinful will. And Paul says in Ephesians 2, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. In sin we follow after the devil and his way, doing as our first father would have us do. But that's not all. There is another aspect to this. For a transfer has happened. The paperwork has gone through and the adoption has cleared. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. For it is fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. We have been taken out of the family of Satan and made to be children of God. In baptism, the name of God is placed upon us and a transfer takes place. We are removed from being under the prince of the power of the air and placed in the loving arms of our Heavenly Father. We are able to cry out to Him as Father in the Spirit because of this. We pray the Lord's Prayer, beginning our Father, because by adoption we can now call God Father. We who had been separated by sin are now brought near in the blood of the Lamb, that blood shed upon the cross for our sakes, that blood by which we are washed clean in the waters of the font, that blood by which we were bought and brought into the family of God, made brothers and sisters with Christ, brothers and sisters with one another. We were made to be with Christ, that his lineage of the fathers is now also ours. We are of the same family with Christ, and one another. All because of this. And it all happened there. Here. In this place. And at that altar. 
So who do you come from? Who do you belong to? The question for the Christ is in some ways complex, yet simple. He is both the son of David by birth and the son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. And by him, we too are of the Father. His grace and mercy are ours. His salvation granted to us in Christ. We, or he now calls us sons and daughters. We now call him Father. Come to your Father. Receive what he would have to give to you. In Jesus' name, amen.